What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Richer Geek Podcast. I'm pleased to have Matt Four. He's uh, not only a part-time real estate investor, uh, but he spent over a decade in sales and sales leadership at a uh, very large tech company. So I know that all of our listeners will enjoy that. How you doing, Matt? I am doing fantastic today. Although I got to say, this weekend, it was 75 degrees outside. I was running. I was enjoying the sun. And then overnight, it dropped 40 degrees. So I'm a little cold oh. today, but I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, you know, we get that in Arizona also. It's It was 80, it was playing golf, then all of a sudden rain and 50. And I, I know everyone in the Northeast is, you know, strumming the fake violin, you know, the little violin saying, you know, well, you know, it, it, you know, because they're what, it's still in the 10, you know, 15 yeah. degree and things like that. But uh, one of the things I want to talk about is you, you've done a lot, you've, you've, uh, you're a crazy man. You do Iron Man's. Um, I can't. I can't run two blocks. You know, I was. I was more built to run over things instead of run away from things. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about a little bit about your background. Uh, you're in uh, tech sales, and uh, how was that? And then, did you do? some Ironman wire on tech sales? Was that your stress relief? Did you start running two blocks and you said, Hey, I need to <laughs> run a little bit more and do some other things. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So like you mentioned, I've spent a decade in sales and sales leadership at one of the largest technology companies in the world. And it's been a fun little journey. I remember uh, first getting involved in technology and I was not technical at all. And to this day, I'm not technical. My dad asked me to plug up his printer over Christmas holiday. And I said, I have no idea how to do that. So um, but I've spent over a decade in that. And it's been a fun journey because one thing about technology is it's always evolving. We like to say that the world is moving faster than it ever has been, but slower than it ever will. And so it keeps you on your toes. You're always learning new things and, and how people are more efficient and things like that. Um, how did I get involved in Ironman? I grew up playing a lot of sports in, in high school, played intramurals in college, all that kind of stuff, would always go to the gym. And I remember I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro back when I was really young, which is the tallest mountain in Africa. And I came back from that and arrogantly said, well, that wasn't that hard. What else could I do? And I looked at two different options. I looked at climbing Mount Everest 
and I looked at Ironmans. And when I saw the price tag of how much it costs to climb Mount Everest, I was like, you know what? I think I'll go into Ironman. So for your listeners that don't know what that is, it's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, 26.2 mile run. Yes, it's all in a single day. Yes, it's all in a single event, but it's given me a lot of life lessons, investing lessons. And um, one of the things I love to say about Ironman is it keeps you humble, right? Mm -hmm. LeBron James is 6'8", 215 pounds, solid muscle, jumps out of the gym, that dude was born to be an athlete doing something and Ironman, nobody was born to go those distances. You got to put in the work every single day. And when somebody beats you on race day, chances are they just been doing it longer than you and, and have uh, a lot more experience doing it. So happy to take that part of the conversation, wherever you want to take it, but that's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah. So what does it take? I mean, what do you start? You, you know, you start, okay, I'm going to run five miles. I'm going to run 10, but then, Oh, wait a minute. I, I also have to, bike five miles and bike. To, I mean, where do you start when you're doing something that crazy? Yeah, I, um, so I was always kind of an athlete growing up. So I was, I was already moderately fit, but being Ironman fit is a lot different than being basketball or football fit or something like that. Uh, the first thing I had to do was buy a bike. So I signed up for a race before I ever bought a bike. And I will tell your listeners that when you ride a bike and it's got three wheels on it and you're a tricycle and you're five years old and riding a bike when you're going 112 miles uh, locked in an arrow position are a little bit different. So I, I definitely had to learn uh, how to do that again. But ultimately, what does it take? I think it really takes understanding where you want to go and what is the goal. So I, I have a little four-step process that I have that how I've achieved Ironmans, how I've achieved investment goals, how I've achieved work goals. And the first step and the most important step is clarity, because I think you have to be clear on where you want to go or else the, the, the squirrel effect, the red pill will take you down these different rabbit holes and you, you will have no direction in life. So once I knew that, Hey, Ironman was the thing that I wanted to go do. I wanted to go do a race for that. I knew I was clear on where I wanted to go. And then it just brought me to my next part of my journey. So you talk about, you know, the four steps and, you know, I can imagine that once you've accomplished something like that, it's kind of like for me, the military boot camp. then it just kind of changes your mentality and it changes you as a person so that you can take that type of strategy into any segment in your life going forward. So talk about those other steps and what the, those things have meant to you and succeeding in becoming an investor in, in tech sales and, and the other things in your life. Yeah, sure. So those four steps are clarity, mm -hmm. consistency, efficiency, and then compounding. So we already talked a little bit about clarity. Clarity is knowing where you want to go. If you don't know where you want to go, then any road will take you there. So once you have that end game in mind, then you have to start doing those little consistent actions every single day. And what I would tell your listeners out there is, in this phase of being consistent, it's about doing something every day that marches you towards your goal. It's not necessarily about doing the right thing every day that marches towards your goal. So we were nerding out about podcasting. You were on the show um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it, it, that whole process of learning how to podcast, learning what your voice is, learning the equipment, all that kind of stuff, you can watch it every day. But until you start doing the process, you're never going to see the hiccups or the things that are going to get in your way. And that's the same with investing, right? You can't start your investment journey unless you start putting $2 a day into a savings account, $5 a day, a, a portion of your income into something that's not just going to shoes, cars, gas, things like that. Um, 
So happy to continue down this rabbit hole, but I'll stop there. Once you're clarity, once you're clear, clear on where you want to go, then it's about being consistent and starting to do something every day that marches you towards that action. And I think that's very important for everybody to learn. And, you know, I've read a lot of books. I've, you know, been a lot of uh, oh, different seminars and manager consultants and all that sort of stuff and coaching. And they all kind of talk about that where it, you have to start somewhere and then you can't be swayed with, oh my gosh, I want this, you know, I want the greatest thing of this, you know, it's, it's do I need that or do I want that? You know, that's kind of the biggest thing is, is there's so many things when I was young in life, it's like, I need that. It's like, no, you don't, you want it, mm-hmm. but you'll do fine and you'll survive without another TV or that other type of car, you know, or the, the car that you have is fine. You know, those types of things. Um, so I think they're very important things, life lessons in that. And uh, you believe in it so much that you are creating an ebook. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I would touch on too there in consistency is mm-hmm. mood follows action. And so I get a lot of questions like, oh, well, you're just very passionate about Iron Man, or you're just very passionate about investing or technology or these things. And I didn't come out of the womb or like in fifth grade decide that I loved all these things. I started doing something that I thought was interesting at the time every single day. And over two months, it started becoming a habit. And after four months, it started becoming a hobby. And after a year, it started becoming a passion. And so that's what I would encourage your listeners out there that might be struggling through this transition of 2020 through 2022 here um, and going through their their journey of life is mood is going to follow your actions. So start doing something every day that's going to scratch an itch and see where that leads you. Mm -hmm. What are some of the mental challenges you had? I'm sure once you got to a certain mile, then it's kind of like... I'm either going to like, you got to dig. I mean, you, there's people always talk about running marathons at at mile 15 or so. All of a sudden you get that. I'm either going to break or you just kind of, they call powering through it. What are some of the things that you did just to kind of switch that mind off to power through it? Once your body and your brain saying, what the hell are you doing to me? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Cause I, uh, I like to tell people like now that I've been doing the sport for almost a decade, the sport doesn't get easier. I just get faster, right? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't get easier to go bike a hundred miles, a hundred miles freaking sucks regardless of how many times you've done it. It's, it's a difficult process. Um, I think mm-hmm. though, like one of the things that I've always tried to do during races, during practice sessions, during work, when I'm trying to pal through something, that's a difficult task is mm-hmm. keep little reminders of kind of what started me down this journey. Right. So there's, um, uh, 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 a part of each Ironman where halfway through the bike, you get a chance to have a bag of your goodies of whatever it is to refuel, re-energize all that kind of stuff. Same thing on the run. So I remember my first Ironman, like I slid in a picture of my family in there and I knew I was going to throw away that, that picture, but it was a picture of myself, my mom, my dad, my brother, and they were at the race. And one of the things about Ironman races is no matter 
how many people you have at the race, you barely see them because <laughs> it's a pretty long day and a pretty long course. And mm-hmm. that was just a little reminder, like, Hey, I'm, I'm here to complete it for them to show that they made this son and this brother that can get through difficult times. It's the same with work, right? Like everybody works out there for money, but money is a tool to get you the things that you want in life. So how do you put little reminders around your environment, whether it's at the office uh, or at your house, on your computer, whether it's a mood board, just something like that, that always pulls you back into remembering why you got started in the journey in the first place. And would you say, is it a 50-50 on the physical and mental side, or is it more mental? What, it, you know, I, I'm just curious because I, I will never do a <laughs> I will. I will definitely say that of the people that get to the starting line of the race, it is 90% mental from there. It's like graduation day. All you're doing is walking across the stage and grabbing your diploma. At that point, the hard part about doing Ironmans is the 3 a.m. wake up call on a Saturday to drive an hour away to ride your bike for 110 miles and then get off and go run for an hour, drive an hour back, stretch, shower, it's four o'clock, you got to eat and then wake up the next day and you got to do something very, very similar. Like if you can do that day in and day out of consistent grinding, then showing up is just graduation day. And for most of your listeners out there that if they're consuming this type of content, right, they've done a lot of the mental reps to prepare themselves to doing investments in real estate and different forms of investing and things like that. At that point, it's about mentally going over that hurdle of passively getting involved in an investment or actively getting involved in an investment. But if you've done all the legwork up to that point, man, you're just going across the graduation stage. There's definitely going to be anybody that shows up to a race for the first time. I tell them it's a long day. You're going to have a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And when you're up, I want you to remember that humility is about to smack you in the face and you're going to feel <laughs> awful. And when you're down, slow down, grab some Coke, grab some water, grab something to eat. And know that you just got to keep moving forward and you're going to have a high again. It's no different than life, no different than like a long and distant endurance race like that. How long do you think you can do this, Ironman? Is it something is like, okay, I'm, you know, it's kind of like regular professional sports, you know, hey, I'm 35, 40, I'm done. Or do people, is there longevity? Oh, yeah. Here's, here's the thing I love about Ironman is the people more than yeah. anything, because I have raced with um, people that are W amputees. I have raced with um, a guy that had ALS. Um, I have raced with, uh, or I haven't raced with, but I follow a guy who's deep and close to my heart who has Down syndrome, who finished a race. And he was the first person to finish a race with Down syndrome. And my sister had Down syndrome and she tragically passed a couple of years back, but it just shows you that she and him both had the same view on the world that they could do anything. And they didn't have the mental barriers that sometimes because we're quote unquote normal, we put in front of ourselves. So, um, your, your question around longevity, man, I'm not going to be out there trying to, trying to win races when I'm 65 or 70 or anything like that. But there is a lady out there that's still competing at 84 and she's still finishing races. So, um, there's definitely longevity in it if you want it to be. Wow. I mean, that's, that's absolutely amazing. You know, I just, you know, what are, what's like the biggest race of you? You know, I, I know everyone knows the Hawaii 
the one yeah. in Hawaii. Uh, I don't know if you've competed in that one, um, but what are some of like the, the big ones that you've competed in? Yeah, the, the one in Hawaii is the mecca of them all. It mm -hmm. is a qualifying race and I'll assimilate it to Boston. Most people that run want to run Boston. Mm -hmm. um, it, for Boston, there's 150, 200 races around the world. And as long as you hit a specific time, regardless of the course, if it's a hilly course or a flat course, you can go. You, well, you, you basically qualify. They still have cutoffs and things like that because they have to only can take so many people. Hawaii has 20 races across the world. And you usually have to finish in the top two in your age bracket on that day, which means that no matter how good a day you have, somebody could have a better day. And no matter how bad a day that you have, uh, the people that showed up that day could have had a worse day and you could still win. So it's not really time dependent. And I think that's some of the mental challenge when you're going through these nine hour, 10 hour races that you're, you're never know where you're at comparatively. You just got to race the best race you can race. So, um, the, the one in Hawaii is obviously the Mecca. I got an opportunity to, uh, race in the world championship at the half distance in Austria, uh, Austria, Zellemsee, Austria. And, uh, it was the day after my birthday, my mom took me traveling a lot when I was a kid. So I got a chance to uh, return the favor and take her to one of our most favorite parts of the world, which is that Bavaria, Austria, Switzerland, mm -hmm. Alps region, um, got to pay for the entire family to go and, and they got the chance to watch me compete. So that's definitely one that sticks out in my mind. Very cool. Now let's make a uh, kind of a switch uh, for everybody out there. Matt has his own podcast. And I was lucky enough to be a uh, guest of that. It is called Ice Cream with Investors. And talk to us about number one, how did you come up with that name? And tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah, so how I came up with the name is I'm actually an internal fat kid. The only reason <laughs> I do all these, these long races is so I can get a chance to eat pizza and ice cream and things like that. So no, I mean, really the, the idea spawned in 2020. So I work at W2 today. I'm a sales leader at a fortune 50 company. Absolutely love the people I work with. It's a cool industry to work in. Um, and, and, uh, I had a lot of folks that were coming to me in 2020 when they were seeing what was happening in the world, asking me about finances and asking me like, how did you do real estate? And they know about my passive income and things like that. And I just thought, Hey, instead of having these conversations in a one-off basis every, every day, why don't I record different niches out there of things that you can do with real estate? Cause when I first got involved in real estate, I thought it was the fix and flip that you see on TV. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. It was so much more than that. Um, so I just figured like, let me get different people that are experts in different niches. And that way, when I'm having these conversations, I can point people back and say, Hey, if you like, um, hotel investing, then this is your episode. And if you want to chat further, I'll, I'll have a conversation with you. And if not, I'll, I'll point you to those expert resources so they can help you along the journey. But in 2020, I, I felt like we were in a very pessimistic time and I don't believe in that. I believe in a can do attitude, optimistic. And I thought, who's pessimistic when they're thinking about and talking about ice cream. So the show kind of spawned off starting calling it ice cream with investors. And I'll tell you right now, my number one goal is that I'm at the investment conference circle. When we uh, get back to having these investment conferences again, and somebody comes up to me and is like, you're Matt for from ice cream with investors. Can I buy you a bowl of ice cream? And that, that is how I'm going to get free ice cream for the rest of my life. There you go. Yeah. It's, you know, once you get to that part, I, I've, I just got back from, uh, it's called IREC, 
and uh, it's an intelligent real estate conference out in California, and it was awesome. But uh, yeah, I hope you get to that point, and I hope people say, you know what, we need you to speak about this. And um, but you know, one of the things I, I really like about your podcast, and I've listened to a bunch of them, is is the fact that you get people with expertise and all these different types of investment asset classes and they have strengths in different things and it it makes people realize that investing in real estate is not the same as an uh, an episode of HGTV right i mean it's yeah. it's, a, it's a little bit more difficult and uh so you know we really appreciate that uh, how many episodes you yet now uh so we are at 72 i think at the time of this recording but i already have 76 um mm-hmm. uh recorded and you know it, it really just started out like hey i'm just going to make sure that i do one a week and now um i talked about the four things clarity consistency efficiency and compounding now i'm in that efficiency stage i figured out that my sound at the first part of me doing this wasn't um, the top quality, some would call it cringeworthy. And I've learned how to structure the interviews and, and kind of my voice and my message. And that's just been a fun process for me to kind of see my evolution in myself, but also look for those incremental gains on how you can get better with the, with the whole process. What kind of investments are you doing now? Um, so I have a couple of different investments. I started my real estate journey. Well, let me back up a little bit. I got into real estate because I was working for a previous company, previous employer, and we won a $10 million net new logo. And I saw the commission check that I was about to get. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to find something to do with that. And so I heard everything from equities to Bitcoin to bonds to annuities. I had a mentor at the time that was like, you should get involved in real estate cash flows, appreciation, leverage, tax benefits, like all the great things. I was like, let's do it. And then I got the call. And again, this isn't the employer I work for today that said, hey, you're not going to get that check. You're actually going to get two cents on the dollar. And when I asked why, the response was, haven't you made enough money this year? And it was at that point where I realized that I needed to get involved in building my own financial future if I wanted to achieve the goals that I had. So I started getting involved with single family. I got to the point where I got, I hit the 10 single family limit, which Fannie and Freddie, you start following outside their box. Mm-hmm. They don't like that. And so I was looking for things to do. And that's where I stumbled across multifamily. So I've got um, a number of different, I'm a GP in 120 units, a limited partner in 250 units. And then I also lend out money for fix and flips. So I'm involved in a couple of those. And I also own a couple of real estate notes because they're for a while before all this inflation really started heating up. I was big into the note space, trying to learn as much as I could on that. So that's kind of my uh, nutshell of how I got involved in real estate and my portfolio as a, as a snapshot there. Well, it's, it's uh, you're invested into a lot, you know, in a relatively short period of time. So again, it goes back to that mindset, right? Um, you just, there, there's so many people and it just, it makes me so upset that I talk to and that I mentor that, they're either seminar junkies or they always have an excuse, you know, on why they're not in real estate, you know, and now it's like, well, the, the prices are too high. You know, I can't, you can't make any returns. And, and I'm like, well, aren't the rents going up also? You know, I, I think, yep. I think it's just another excuse. And one of my mentors said that all this stuff that's floating around in your head, um, it might be, 
real to you because it's inside your head, all these excuses, but it's not the truth. You know, it's, they're just different ways, you know, well, if I go through one more seminar, I'll be ready to make that jump. And it's just, you're excusing yourself and and pretty soon you're just, you're never going to be there. So I appreciate what you've done. I I think one thing that really helped me though, was I had that traumatic event, right? I had the sense where I lost a life-changing amount of commission check. Um, So I knew that, Hey, spending $42,000 on a down payment for a house, a single family house or whatever, like I had just lost that many times over. Mm -hmm. So if I lose $40,000, hell, at least that's cheaper than an MBA program. Right. And Another thing that kind of happened at that same time is my dad had triple bypass surgery and I lost my sister with Down syndrome. And so what I realized is that I have bigger goals than sitting at the desk until I'm 65 and a half and then taking whatever money is left and doing living my life. I want to give to the causes I care about, continue down this endurance Ironman route that I'm on help others figure out what they want to do in their life and then their investment journey. And if I really wanted to do that, then I was going to have to figure out a different way. So I would encourage folks to kind of look at their life and say, what are the painful moments in my life? And you can view them as painful, or you can turn on a different lens and say, those could be really motivating factors for you to go be the person that you were always meant to be anyways. Yeah, very good. And, you know, listeners, you know, this is just another example with Matt here is, a young guy that says, you know, it's like, hey, the W-2 is nice, but how can I diversify? How can I do this? How can I um, exasperate the amount of funds to help me you know, into retirement? And not only did he get all these assets in a relatively short period of time, but he also has a wonderful podcast. It's called Ice Cream with Investors, and it's at icecreamwithinvestors.com where you can listen to all these episodes to help you remove the roadblocks to enable you to have financial success. Uh, Well, Matt, I appreciate you coming on and uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Absolutely. Look back to look forward to connecting again soon on your show, my show, or uh, maybe at some over a bowl of ice cream at some conference. Butter pecan. That's mine. What's yours? There you go. That You know what? Actually, I'll tell this story real quick. I was okay. out on Saturday night and um, just got done with a little date night. And uh, we stopped by Maggie Moo's and they had some butter pecan. And I thought about you and I was <laughs> like, that's it. That's what I'm going to get right there. It was just recommended. There you go. Butter pecan is it for me. All yeah. right, guys. Uh, thank you, uh, Matt. And, uh, have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in to the Richard Geek Podcast where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichardgeek.com podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others benefit from listening and leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes i appreciate you and thanks for listening